0: When you're trying to circumvent design decisions that these UI component libraries have already made, the amount of time it takes to write that code, it might be better spent just building your own design system to begin with.
1: Hi, and welcome to PodRocket. I'm Sean, and with me today is True Narla, software engineer at Discord, Twitch partner, and recently gave a talk at NextJS Comp, which we'll be talking about today. Building a Design System in Next.js with Tailwind. Welcome to the podcast, True.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Nice to meet you.
1: Yeah, nice to meet you. We're excited to have you. Um, And before we get into the talk, do you mind telling us a little bit about your background and and your work at Discord and and what it's like being a a Twitch partner in the web dev space?
0: Yeah, of course. So my name is True. Um, I've been streaming on Twitch for about two years now in specifically the programming category. Um, and it's been really fun. We grew from we used to be in this thing called Science and Technology, and then we have our game and software development uh, category now, so it's been really awesome. It, the category's also grown a lot. Like when I first started, I was like around five average viewers, and now it's like around two hundred to three hundred. And so yeah, the whole category's grown too so the um the levels at which people are programming. So there's beginners learning how to code. There's advanced people that know Typescript really well teaching others. so it's it's been really fun. And yeah, and Discord, I've been at Discord for about, I think, three and a half months now, and it's been awesome. I used to be, I was a software engineer, then I went to try dev advocacy for a little bit, and now I'm back to being a software engineer, and I think that's where I really enjoy it. Um, I love being a dev advocate, it was fun, it was like really cool because I do content on the side, so it's kind of like doing that fun stuff as my job, but it kind of burnt me out a little bit, so it's nice that I get to code and then do content on the side instead of doing it as my job so yeah it's been fun discord i'm on the new member experience team on the in the communities org so i work on what does the new member experience look like when people join big servers and so we're trying to solve that problem and so it's been a lot of fun where uh, one of our big launches is happening like the end of this year so i'm super excited for
1: it awesome yeah that's great that you still get to like have a have a community with the with the twitch channel even though you've like moved from dev because you're doing software engineering what made you start to to do Twitch in, in the first place? Were you always interested in kind of social media or was it more just like having a, a developer like community?
0: Yeah, so I used to watch Twitch all the time when I was working. I remember when I was an internet Uber, one of the one half of one screen was always like a Twitch stream and it was used to be like PUBG or Overwatch at the time. Um, and so I, I knew about Twitch, but I never really started streaming. I did like a couple of game streams, but those never took off. Um, but yeah, I in the pandemic, I think it was around March or April. So like right in the beginning, Like in 2020, I was really bored (laughs) and I was stuck at home, like my parents' home and not my own place. So I didn't have anything to really do. So I bought like an old computer, like on Amazon, like a pre-built Windows computer so I could stream and then a webcam and a mic. And I was like, let me just try programming. And I talked to my manager at the company I worked at at the time and he was like, go for it. It's a good idea. So I got his go ahead to do it, you know, like an hour or two every day. And it was really fun. I got to work on projects that I wouldn't do as my, in my job. So I got to learn things like, I think that's where I learned about function components in React because we used class components at work. So it's like, oh, you know, that's learning experience. I got to build something like a a collaborative drawing platform. So it was like learning how to use sockets, like stuff that I wouldn't normally do. So it was really fun at the time. And it was just like a way for me to do social things without leaving the house. So that was like a big draw.
1: Yeah, that's so cool. No, it definitely feels like the, the space is really growing. I remember like, you know, there was like all the tutorial channels on YouTube some of those, like the new boss. And I don't remember if if you remember some of those early ones, but now it's like, there's like a ton of new folks who are coming on and doing streaming content as well, which I've started to watch a ton of too. So it's really
0: cool. 100%, it's like growing really big. So it's nice, yeah.
1: Sweet, yeah. No, I'd love to to get into the the talk now. So what is a design system before we get into it? Because I know there's like system design, but that's a separate concept, right?
0: It's completely separate, yeah. So a design system, it's kind of hard. I think how I explained it in the talk is that it's a bridge between designers and engineers. Some people were like, about it but I think like what I basically mean by that bridge is that it's like a set of standards that both designers and engineers follow that help you maintain like a similar design at scale and so at discord for example uh we have design systems that tell us how buttons drop downs etc should look and I'm on a small team that works on a subset of the whole app but you want whatever we do to like reflect the entire app so design system helps like maintain that cohesion and so yeah Helps both like design and dev work be completed at scale since there's all these like pre-made UI components and elements. And so designers use the same elements that the engineers can use and you name them the same so that it's really easy to understand when you're looking at one or the other. And yeah, and it it really helps at, in like big companies at a bigger scale. I think like for smaller companies, it might not be a huge thing to take immediately, but it's, it's really good for maintaining that like cohesion across uh, an entire app or
1: multiple apps. Yeah, that makes sense. To kind of have like a consistent user experience, even those like different developers, like working on different portions of the app. Exactly. And so like, what are the kind of ways that people can start to implement a design system into a project?
0: Yeah, so I touched on this a little bit, but there's a couple different ways. So if you're like a smaller company or you're building like one app as like a side project, there's existing component libraries. So that's what a lot of people use for design systems. So specifically for React, there's things like Chakra UI, uh, MUI or mantine, And so they already have all these pre-built items in there, um, as well as like accessibility items. So like um, text areas, inputs with accessibility, et cetera. And so you can use those if they meet your needs. And they're a little bit customizable too, with not too much work. But when it gets into the really nitty gritty, so Discord's very different looking and they have a specific design in mind. The other way to do is just like rebuild, like build your own UI component library from scratch. And so there's a bunch of tools that allow you to do that and that's what like my talk covered a subset of those um but that's like the
1: other way to do it. yeah okay cool yeah i know i think you said that that those were like opinionated component libraries which like made a ton of sense because like they maybe do what you need they do a lot of things like out of the box but like if you need to like customize it a ton is that like when then it would maybe make sense to do something more from scratch
0: oh yeah 100 like a lot of times like, like designers at the bigger companies or any company in general they have different ideas than what the ui component libraries look like And so when you're trying to circumvent design decisions that these UI component libraries have already made, the amount of time it takes to write that code might just be like, it might be better spent just building your own design system to begin with. And so that's kind of, it's like a, a, at what point do you really swap? When we were building a side project on the side, we started with Chakra, but there was a lot of stuff we had to rewrite with our like brand colors with our like sizing, like spacing of things. And so it took a lot of time. And so when we started to move things over to Tailwind and, and, and using something else, it was just a lot easier because we could start it from scratch, set up the spacing, all of that. So it's really like, what do you want? Is is it look good enough for you to like work with or do you, would you rather spend more time?
1: Yeah, so how does how does Tailwind come in? Because like in my head, I, I think of it as like the next gen bootstrap, like the better bootstrap. But I know it like does more than than that. So I know you went over it in, in the talk, but. I'd love to dig into that part of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Tailwind, Tailwind's great. I first learned about it on stream, actually, and I, I was against it in the beginning because we were doing a competition and the idea was like CSS in the dark. So I would give people a design and you have to like make it in CSS without looking at what it looks like until the very end. And so one of the people wanted to use Tailwind. I was like, that's cheating. But in, in retrospect, it's not. It's It's basically just utility classes on top of CSS. So it's not that different. But yeah, I used to be anti-Tailwind. I mean, I get the the anti-Tailwind rhetoric. Some people are like, oh, it's too much. Like when you look at your HTML with all the Tailwind classes, it's like super long. So I get that. It's verbose. And then people also say it's basically like inline styles, right? You're writing all your styles in your HTML. Why do you do that? But I, I really, really enjoy it. I mean, I used to use styled components. That's what I did at work before I learned about Tailwind. And I, the, the, the idea, the, the anti-tailing people, the idea that they have is they want the separation of concerns. So you want your HTML to be all the content that you show. And then the CSS file is all the styling. And the idea behind that is that if you, you know, name in your HTML, if you have all the class names in your CSS file, you can just remove that whole thing and add another style sheet with, and it'll look, it'll look all different. Right. So that's the idea is like, you can just replace the style sheet and it'll change. But I don't know, Adam Wepp and I, I remember, Wathan Wathen, the creator of Tailwind, he has a really good blog post on like how he started to approach thinking about this problem and the steps that he took to kind of get to where Tailwind is. And so, like Tailwind is the idea of like b- building a library that chooses like reusability uh, over everything else and like composability, right? So the idea is to, like break things down into the smallest possible pieces, so you're not reusing a lot of your styles in different places. And so that's what where all the Tailwind classes come in, right? So you have things like margin specifically, padding, all that. And so it keeps it like a lot simpler and easier to like change up designs. And, and because Tailwind comes with a config file, a lot of these base cases, so you have like a margin could be M2, you could change what two really means. So I think it's four picks per like every one. So you could change what that is. And so it's super configurable. And since you can do that in one config file, Wherever you use Tailwind across your project, it'll stay consistent. And so that's super useful and super cool about it. But yeah, I mean, Tailwind's been great. I, I write CSS so much faster now. It's so nice to not change context, like switch between styles and the code constantly. Because at Discord, that's how we do it. So I have to set a style name and then change it in another file. And it's just, it's kind of hard going back and forth. So I really, I really enjoy Tailwind. <laughs> I'm like really, <laughs> really pro-Tailwind, but yeah.
1: That makes sense. And just going back to the, what you said at the beginning, the CSS and the dark thing, that is such a good idea. I just wanted to say that sounds so fun. It was like CSS 101, like, you know, five or so years ago, Is like that you separate like your style sheets or a, new, a different file from the HTML or otherwise it gets like too jumbled. But um, I mean, I guess it, it makes sense from like uh, the composability perspective. Like if you want to have a theme that you can easily switch out, it's hard to do that if like you just have like a CSS file and you need to rewrite it in a different way. But so are there like, JavaScript libraries that help us with doing some of that CSS in, in JS? Because we so we, you mentioned style components. We use that at, at LogRocket, but I thought that was really interesting uh, using that for the first time. Like, wait, the CSS is in the JavaScript? That's crazy. So like what are the, what are the, some of the tools that JavaScript offers to, to help us with CSS?
0: Yeah, there's um, some that I've heard. Of. I haven't used them too much. So there's um, Stitches, which I think uh, a similar tool CBA is kind of based off of which is basically CSS TS, So you can write, you can basically write like, given these props, these are the CSS styles that you're gonna apply to these components. Um, I think there's also like vanilla extract, but I haven't worked with it too much. So I can't talk too much about it, but yeah.
1: And You mentioned, uh... Maybe this is like not a JavaScript thing, but you mentioned CLSX. I haven't used that one before. What, what kind of features does that one have?
0: Yeah, so CLSX is very similar to the class names package also in NPM, but I think CLS- CLSX is a little bit faster and smaller. Not too sure, I think it is. Um, so the general idea is that it allows you to conditionally apply classes or in general, just like construct strings that you can pass into your class name. So um, so let's say you have a button component and it takes in a prop like variant and the variant is either like a primary or secondary. So you can use CLSX to basically say, hey, if this variant equals primary, set the color to something or set the color to something else. And so it'll actually apply those um, classes properly. And so uh, it's really good for tailwind specifically because you can't construct tailwind classes with like the general backtick. And then the string you know whatever it's called (laughs) in javascript can't can't remember but so this is like super useful and so that's the way that i used to do the um uh what is it conditionally applying classes before i learned about cba so this is like how i do it and um we actually use class names at discord to do this so
1: okay cool and then do do you mind just going into cba too because that that one's also like totally and i don't know if we have listeners who haven't aren't familiar with that one as well
0: oh yeah for sure so cba is uh i talked about this in the talk but it's a class variance authority, and so I learned about this just a couple months ago, and it's been super awesome. And I've been trying to do that with all my side projects. And so the idea behind CVA is to build kind of like a variant schema. So similar to how you have like all these props that you pass into your components that change certain attributes about it, you're defining like these variant schemas that basically tell you things that you could change about this component. So things like I mentioned were, I called it variant earlier, but like you could say color of the button, the size of the button, etc. And so they're kind of like Lego blocks, and they're super composable. So you could have one variant or you could have multiple variants. And the really cool thing is CVA lets you define like default variants, right? So your button without any props passed in could be like medium and blue or something. Um, And you can also use compound variants. So you can say if the button is blue and medium, apply this specific thing to it. So it's really cool. It lets you build a bunch of this out. And it's type safe. So there's a variance props that CVA comes with. So you can actually grab the props from, um, when you pass in like to your component, the CBA object thing, it grabs the props and you can just, when you're typing in color, it just populates it with the props that you, or the variants that you pass in earlier. So it's really cool, really awesome. And you don't have to use Tailwind, you can use anything. (laughs) So it's super customizable. And it also works with other frameworks, not just React. So there's like Svelte examples, I think, Vue examples. And yeah, it's based on um, those libraries I mentioned earlier, like stitches. Um, but CBA is more like, instead of being CSS in TS, it's more like you can uh, define class names in TS. And so it's like, if Stitches was classes versus being uh, CSS that you pass in.
1: It sounds like it kind of like helps you maybe like dynamically apply like different CSS styles, like without being like super verbose. Yes. And my next, you you mentioned that it integrates with Tailwind. I going to give you my next question. So like, does it work with like your, integrate with like your Tailwind theme or like how does How do those two kind of like operate together?
0: Yeah. So you basically pass in class names to CVA. So whatever you can, if you want to define a custom brand color, for example, in your Tailwind config, it'll just be able to use that. So you could just set like, if your base variant or whatever of your button, you you could just set like brand color 600 or something, you know, it works with Tailwind, whatever you set configure Tailwind to, it works. The other option is because it just uses class names, you can use things like, CSS modules or something else <laughs> where you can define your styles in another CSS file, and it'll just grab those.
1: Cool. And then, yeah, you showed that like the variant thing hooks in really nicely into to Storybook. I thought that was awesome because like if you have like all these different styles that you can apply to the CSS to like see them in actions, like how um yeah how could how could like Storybook help with like your you know uh, development like designing a design system?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. So Storybook's great. So one thing that I've been running into at work is I work on a specific part of the Discord app that isn't like linkable. So when I'm trying to test design changes, if the app ever refreshes, I have to like go and click back into this thing and like have it open up and then test it. So Storybook, instead of having to run your app, you can just run Storybook and pass in like a bunch of different, I think they're called stories. And you can basically mock your components, UI components out. And the really cool thing is with all the, variants that you can define for any component you can just create all of that set of it so you can see the full set of the components like every different style every different combination of things you can see it all in storybook and i think that's awesome and it makes it super easy to test And so, like I said, you can um, define, like in your storybook when you're defining stories, if there's, you can define like buttons or a dropdown for all the colors, you can like quickly toggle which one you want to see. You can pass in mock data if there's components that take in mock data, like a dropdown list or something, you can pass in what you want those items to look like, et cetera. And so, yeah, I think it's super useful and it's a really great tool for this. I think it's built specifically for like kind of developing design systems um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's just super easy to test all the different states and the props that you could pass into components. So yeah,
1: I love it. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of Storybook too. My my favorite part is like, if you're working on a front end piece of something and there's a back end piece for me, the back end isn't ready. Like you don't have to, like you're saying, like boot up your app and like get to wherever that lives in the app. You can just like see it like separate from the the rest of everything. So like super useful for like, Developing the front end part separately.
0: Exactly, yeah. And if you have something that triggers on like a very complicated user action, you don't need to do that. You could just pass that it's showing or something versus having to do all that, yeah.
1: No, yeah. It seems like there's like a lot of it seems like the space is is really growing in terms of like the tools that developers have access to now for like making these design systems. I'm just curious, like since you've used a bunch of them, like do you have any opinions or like ideas like where the stuff is going in the future?
0: Yeah, this is a hard, it's a hard question because it's like, it's you have to imagine what could be. But I think there's a lot of kind of mundane tasks that are involved in creating a design system. And so maybe there's like a lot of manual work that goes into it, right? And maintaining one as well, like creating and then maintaining. Um, so it's like documentation, like keeping the docs of how to use these components up to date, um, updating outdated components to like new designs that are in like Figma or somewhere else. They're kind of like separate from where the code is. And so maybe like something, some tools that automate some of this that could make it a lot easier to maintain design systems. And I don't know what that would really look like. I don't know if they would live as like, maybe it's a Figma plugin that hooks into something in your code or some generated, thing. you know, I don't know. But that's like a really cool, like, you know, problem that could space that could have a Something solve it. <laughs> I don't know what the term. Is.
1: Yeah, no, I'm w- I'm with you. It feels like that handoff from like Figma to then incorporate into the code isn't totally like smooth because then it's like that translation of how do these like colors in Figma and and whatnot then like translate into our design system.
0: Hundred percent. And then and on that note too, just like the handoff, there's like how do designers and developers like work together? I'm like suggesting new components. How do we update designs? Like how do how can developers like give feedback to designers in an easy way and like without causing friction or you know, making it really easy instead of having to learn a tool like Figma. And I don't know. It's just there's like a lot of disconnect between the two. And so I know a lot of times when we make designs, um, when we work with our designer on our team, he has a lot of feedback on like things could be moved, like very pixel pushing moving things. So it's like, is there a way to kind of like not have that make it a little bit easier? But yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot here.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Maybe one day it'll be like you design something in Figma and then it like spits out all the code that you need. So
0: I think a lot of people are trying to work on that. It's just hard because there's so many different frameworks and options for people to do. So it's like, wh- how, what does it spit out? You know, how, how much can you have it spit out? So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, does it spit out a React styled component or like view code? Yeah. I, it makes sense that there's a lot of companies or like music startups trying to solve that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. No, we really appreciate uh, having you on today. And for our listeners, um, where can they find you online? You said you did Twitch streaming.
0: Yeah, so I stream. Uh, my name is uh, Mutru, so Mewtru, so M E W T R U on everything except uh, Twitter, I think, where it's Narla. But yeah, I stream on Twitch. Um, I haven't done it in a while, but I will. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of work and busyness coming up. But I also make content on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, so you could check that out too. But yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was so fun to talk to you.
1: Yeah, is Mewtru like a playoff of Mewtwo, the Pokemon?
0: Oh my God. So I used to be called Not True because my name is like a Boolean, you know, just like a funny joke. But I was like, it doesn't roll off the tongue. So I took a week and I was like, I have to come up with a name that'll work on everything. And so, yes, Mewtwo is like a kind of a spin on the Pokemon. But it was also the easiest thing to say. And it felt really, I don't know, it was short and sweet. So I really liked it. Yeah.
1: No, I love it. Yeah. No, thanks again for coming on. And uh, for our listeners, um, check her out on Twitch at Mewtwo.